Welcome back to another post-game podcast. Uh, trying another one of these. Not going to do it after every game or anything like that. Don't want to Don't want to go overkill. But the Padres win 6-1 to over the Giants tonight to improve to 29-17. Meanwhile, in, in Arizona, the Dodgers are losing 5-2 to in the 7th or bottom of the 7th. And if that result holds, the Padres will only be three point three and a half games behind the Dodgers in the division. And... The Dodgers have an off day, and then two games against the the Diamondback or the against the Astros over the weekend. A weird uh, two game weekend series. I don't know how many of those I've seen with a Friday as an off day, but it's twenty twenty. You know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> we can we can we can manage with that. And um, the Padres get three more against the Giants. If they can go into the Dodgers series, which is next week Monday through Monday Wednesday three game series down two games or something like that. I mean, that's, I think it's hard not to be excited about that. And if they happen to win two games or sweep that series, they're going to be really in the, in the driver's seat to, to win the division. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. And, and yes, yeah, some stuff has to happen from over the next, over the weekend, the Padres got to continue to play well. The Dodgers maybe lose a game to the Astros but after that, you know, the Padres have the the Mariners, the Angels at home, and then at the Giants, which could be big games for the Giants as well to, to get in the playoffs. And then that won't be easy. But I think it's fun to, to try to win the, the title from the Dodgers. I, there's not a lot of a big payoff um, as there would be in a normal year because all you get is the one seed, which means you got to play the eighth seed. And the eighth seed is going to probably be like a really dangerous team like the Reds or the Mets and in the Mets in particular and the Reds are, are, are dangerous too, because of their pitching. Um, they the depth of, you know, their top three pitchers are all good and Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer and, uh, Luis Castillo. But the, but the Mets scare me even more, um, because they have a really good offense. The Reds offense is, is pretty bad, pretty mediocre for, for a playoff caliber team. The Mets meanwhile have a bunch of good left-handed hitters like, Conforto and Nimmo and uh, McNeil and Dominic Smith. And then they have Pete Alonzo and, you know, Robinson Cano, another lefty who's been really good this year. Um, going to pull up the Mets page so I don't mess anything up. But they have, you know, roughly as good of an offense as, as the Potters have had this year. And they've got like, you know, four guys with, uh, I'm looking at, I'm at baseball reference now with, um, OPS plus is above 140. Cano, McNeil, Conforto, Dominic Smith, and a couple of even even Jake Marisnik, uh, <laughs> the light hitting Jake Marisnik in, in like 26 plate appearances has a thousand something OPS. So they just got that thing going where where the offense, you know, like the, the way the like hitting is contagious type thing, and everybody's hitting. The problem with the Mets is their their pitching is terrible outside of Jacob Degrom, who is the first or second best pitcher in baseball with Shane Bieber, but they, um, you know, they made a move recently to switch Seth Lugo to the rotation and Lugo is a pretty good pitcher. And, um, he's mostly been a reliever the last couple of years. He, he had a, a couple of good seasons with the Mets and in his last, um, three starts, I think he's made three starts this year. They're kind of ramping him up towards, towards being a regular starter. He pitched against the really well against the Marlins, had a no hitter in three innings, five strikeouts, and had 10 swinging strikes in 39 pitches. Then he pitched pretty well against the Yankees, um, three and two thirds, seven strikeouts, 
And then his last start against the Phillies, um, five innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, a one run allowed, double-digit swinging strikes in, in each of his starts. And he had another double-digit swinging strike game in his first outing of the year, which was two innings against the Braves. Um, so he's been like sensational, and now he's a starter. So that gives him two two good starters. And the on the the guys on Make the Padres Great Again, we're talking about the much today, uh, Craig Elston and John Gennaro, and kind of making the same point that they have DeGrom. And I think that Lugo makes them even scarier because that gives them two good starters to, to start a series. And when you're talking about a three-game series, that kind of neutralizes everything. So I, I would not want to play the Mets in the first round. And, and getting back to the point, if you win the, if you win the division and it, the Padres are probably not going to win the division. I, I understand that. Um, but just if they happen to, it, it'd be great. I think just for like morale and for kind of a, a statement to come back and beat the Dodgers and win the division after they got off to such a great start, be really cool. And it, it, the advantage would probably be like a wash anyways. Um, but if there's a playoff bubble, you lose the home field, you get a team like the Mets or maybe the Reds, maybe the Marlins, but uh, who knows? And then in the second round, you're going to play the Dodgers anyways. And so this is the difference of the the Phillies or like the Braves, whoever you would get in that in that middle round. That's really all you gain there. And I'm not sure if if I would prefer like the I, I think I would rather play the Phillies over the Mets or that it's at least debatable. So that's kind of a. You know, that's the weird thing about winning the division is it doesn't actually get you much this year, but it would still be fun. And, and I think it would still be uh, beneficial for the Padres to, to have the, these games with the Dodgers coming up. That, that'll be really exciting. All right. That was a tangent. I wanted to get it to a couple, two or three topics. And the first one is Chris Paddock tonight left after two innings. His velocity was down in the second inning, which I think everybody kind of realized after he left the game. And Dennis Lynn had a tweet and I didn't really I didn't really catch it as I was watching. Um I know it was like not, it, it was like, it seemed like it was registering around like 93. Um, but there must've been a couple in there at like 92, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but he, he, he was 93 to 95 in the first inning. His last pitch was 95. And, um, I looked at all of his fastballs on the season from, from baseball savant. And he, he has thrown in the 90, like 91 area a little bit this year, but not, not often. It's like 20 pitches or so from 91 up to, you know, 91.9, 92, yeah, like 20 pitches. Uh, he's had multiple pitches from from certain starts. The one on 830, uh, he had a, a bunch at like 91.6, 91.5. But it was still something of an alarming drop, I think, especially after they removed him. Then you know something is not quite right. And I think the first reaction that a lot of us had was just to be worried about some type of arm injury, an elbow or a shoulder, something that would, would shelf him for, for the rest of the season and potentially lead to um, surgery. And you get the news after the game that it was just a sprained ankle, which is, is great news. At any time a pitcher can avoid um, any type of arm injury, it's great. And whether that's a, an IL stint or it could still be uh, some missed time, but certainly good news for, for Paddock and, and for the Padres and, and everybody involved. And it's, it's smart that they took him out. You know, if he had any sort of pain or, or whatever that was causing that dip in velocity, there's no sense to push it. And because when you, and when you have an injury in, in one part of your body, you end up compensating, even if you don't know it, you know, and, and all of a sudden your mechanics are off and you end up hurting something else. It's the sort of that cascade effect of, of pitcher injuries. 
that that probably happens when pitchers don't even know it. You know, you're favoring your leg or your back and your, you know, your arm slot gets off kilter and then you end up hurting your elbow or something like that. So it was smart to pull them. They hadn't always done that with guys like Pagan and we'll get to him in a minute in, in like Yates and Pomerantz this year. They kind of felt like they, they stuck with them maybe too long through nagging injuries when it would, be, it would be better to just pull the plug and, and get the guy healthy. So it, it was, it was good to see him remove paddock. Um, I'm curious if it'll be an IL stint and I would um, be intrigued if they, if they, did and sent him to, to USD to, to like rehab or whatever. And then to work on his mechanics a little bit, like I've been mentioning, I think that would be interesting because at this point, if he goes on the IL and he's going to miss a week or two, he's, he's, he's not going to, you know, he's, he's not going to be like, he's not going to make the playoff rotation. I don't think if, if Richards continues to pitch well, um, you've got your three guys for the first series, which we talked about, in Lamette, Clevenger, and Davies. And then Richards is in the driving driver's seat for that fourth spot, which you sometimes really don't even have to use. It depends on how the, you know, the series breaks out, but it, it might be kind of like a bullpen game anyways. And so they would have a couple of weeks with Paddock to maybe either get him geared up to, to that he's going to be in the bullpen and, and kind of see what he's, um, see what he looks like in those short, bursts and also maybe work on the on the fastball like I had mentioned in the last couple of podcasts with uh, the release point and stuff like that and see if they can't dial it back into last year and then bring him back as another weapon in the bullpen which is now really good um, so good news with Paddock there um, after they they brought him out the bullpen again was really good Morahone was good um, Stammen was used in a spot where I think it's perfect to, to use him up like five to one or whatever it was in the fifth inning, fourth inning, um, where it's still, it's not like it's not important innings, but it's, if, if it blows up there, the Padres have time to come back. You know, you can get them out before too much bad things happen. And then the offense has plenty of time to come back and, and get the lead back or, or whatever needs to be done. So those are kind of, that's the idea of a low leverage spot versus a high leverage spot. When you come in in a high leverage spot, and you give up three runs. Sometimes it's too late, you know. Like like against San Francisco, um, it was it was Stammen in one of those series early in San Francisco where he gave up some runs, I believe. Regardless, the uh, the point being that that those are the the spots that that Stammen um, should be used in now, and 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 you're able to because the bullpen is all of a sudden so much deeper. Um, like I'm trying to figure out what order I want to go in here. I guess we'll go to, to Pagan, who also returned and threw harder and looked better. Um, the last, the first article that I wrote for for the newsletter was about Pagan's velocity um, going down, and that was August twenty fourth. Um, in that in in that outing that I was writing about, it was down to his his average velocity was down to ninety three point four, the lowest on the season. And um, you know, I wrote about how last year with the Rays, he was like at ninety six. And, and touched 98 and that hadn't happened this year. He was more 94, 95 and had only touched 96.8. Well, tonight and I had this up. Now I don't way too many tabs. I'm just going to have to go off memory cause I don't want to waste time, but I know he was 96. Um, I think he got close to 97 and he was in the 90, you know, 95 to 97 range which is much more, um, you know, 
similar to where he was last year. And I think with some guys like Pagan, I think the fastball just works. You know, if you're talking about a two mile an hour difference, that's a big deal to go from like 94.5 to 96.5. And when he's when he's a pretty ha- uh, heavy fastball guy, you can't lose. He's, he's not like he's a pure command guy or that he's throwing, you know, 50 or 60 percent like sliders or cutters. Um, it's a lot of fastballs. That's like his main pitch. So to have that velocity back and to potentially get him back in the pen with Pomerantz back, with Rosenthal, the addition with Alta Villa, a new addition who looks pretty good. Um, you know, Strom is still back there, Morahone. All of a sudden, uh, the possibility to get Austin Adams back, maybe Jose Castillo. Um, really, the pen has gone from what we thought was going to be a great bullpen in the, in the beginning of the season to what was the team's main weakness in the early and middle parts to back to a, a strength again uh, at the end. And it's just part of the, the whole team. You know, that's everything is clicking right now. So that's encouraging to, to potentially get Pagan back. We'll see some more starts. We still gave up a long fly ball, but that was, you know, that's what he does kind of, and gets ahead and, and he's going to give up some fly balls. And, and with a lead, it's, you, it's certainly not a big deal. You'd rather attack than, than walk guys like he was earlier in the season. So a really encouraging outing from him. And then the other thing is Mackenzie Gore, who I wrote about today. And um, like I said on Twitter after, I don't even know if I believed what I was saying today because I, I, my point really wasn't to say that, um, which if you read the article, if you'd subscribe, if you didn't, I, I won't try not to give too much away, but uh, just hit the main, the main point is that um, – a lot of young pitchers like Gore, uh, top prospects, 22 years old and under, who like debuted this season, have been really good. Like Sixto Sanchez uh, for the Marlins, Tristan McKenzie, um, Ian Anderson for the Braves, Davey Garcia for the Yankees. And these guys have been not just like holding their own, but but excellent pitchers. And if you combine them all together, which I did, I think they've thrown like 150 innings at like three and a half uh, F4 this year, probably more. B war even I'm not sure but they've been really, they've been really good and um, I guess my point was kind of just that maybe the Padres are noticing that and and at least it's encouraging them to say hey we've got this guy who's who is a better prospect coming into the season than all these guys and uh, if if all these pitchers are having success around Major League Baseball who are 21 and 22 like Gore is 21 and he, he does have less experience than those guys uh, I think all of them had more minor league experience in general, you know, Gore had the blister issues the one year and more uh, upper minors experience than Gore who only has, you know, a handful of innings um, at double a, which I'm going to check to make sure. I think it's like, is it like 20 some innings or something like that? Just checking. Yeah. 20, 21 and two thirds innings at double a, which is, is not a lot, but, um, I think with pitchers, it's like you can see what a guy has. It, 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 with hitters, you need more reps a lot of times. But with a pitcher, if you're locating and you're throwing like 96 and you have a good curveball and a good slider and a good changeup, you don't need a ton of reps, I don't think. So I'm not sure if that's a huge deal, but it certainly might be because if you look at this year with Gore, um, with what we've heard is that he's just kind of struggling with it sounds like mechanics and maybe just command. And maybe that's something that if he had another 50 innings at double a that he wouldn't be struggling with. And, um, so I don't know if they're going to bring him up, but 
the paddock for Gore flip would be pretty pretty interesting right now. And then to to give Paddock the couple of weeks um, to you know rehab or whatever he needs to do to get back, and then to get a couple of weeks to look at Gore at the major league level. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be intrigued by that. They have to call him up by I think the fifteenth to to have a chance to put him on the postseason roster. And again, do I think he's going to make the postseason roster? Probably not. But like, I don't see what the problem would be putting him in the pen uh, or starting him even, and just seeing what he has and giving him a chance. Um, it, it, a lot of times people talk about, well, you you could hurt a prospect's confidence if if they come up and they don't pitch well. And I, I think that's true. But I think at the same time, if if he stays at summer camp all year while this great team is, you know, playing. Um, going for division title and he, and he's not there and he expected to be there this year. I don't think that does a lot for, for a prospect's confidence either. So there's, you know, you don't want to put him out there if he's not ready, but um, I think it's, uh, I don't think they'd be working him out at, at Petco as, as often as they have uh, if they weren't trying to sort of see what he has and, and figure it out. And I think he'll get called up before then. And, and I don't, I don't know if that's uh the minority opinion right now. It seems like most people have kind of given up that, that he won't get called up, but I think that he will because the Padres are very aggressive with their young players. And unless there's some sort of problem that's, that's not fixable, I, I think it would make sense just to, to, to put him on the big league roster and just kind of let him work out with the team, let him be with the team and let him throw some innings and just see what it looks like. And then they could always make a decision if they wanted to have him on the postseason roster um, they would have that opportunity. So those were the three things I wanted to talk about. I think I hit on everything. Uh, Mookie Betts is up now with two guys on and two outs in the eighth inning. He hit a fly ball. Looks like it's playable. It is. So Dodgers looking like they might lose and uh, be a fun race down the stretch here, even though the, the, re- the reward of the division title is not uh, nearly as big as it would be in a normal year. Going to sign out now before I mess this up and see if it's worth posting. Thanks for listening.